0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Oh my goodness, y'all. Welcome back to The Table. We are in our end of the year countdown, and the number two episode that y'all have listened to um, is... I totally get why this would be a top episode. It is talking about overwhelm. What do we do when we feel overwhelmed? What do we do when we feel completely strung out? And I share a picture of a hike that I went on in Yosemite. And then we begin to break down some scripture about what God means when he says, rest, And it is not, it is not what culture is selling us on rest. And I'm telling you, even the culture inside of our Christian circles is saying rest is different than what scripture oftentimes tells us rest is. Rest doesn't mean everything stops, everything grinds to a halt. That's just not going to happen for most of us, is it? So how in the overwhelm, do we center our hearts back on the only one who can handle the overwhelm? That's what we're talking about. You know i i gave a I gave a talk the other week at a at a women's at a church for a group of women, and we talked about Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. We talked about the fact that Jesus says, "Come, and I will give you rest." take my yoke for it is easy. My burden is light. And we need to understand his rest. We need to understand that word. We're going to be talking about that more in weeks to come. But for today, tune in, listen in on what I share and imagine yourself understanding this. God knows There have been days that feel very extremely rugged and hard, like hikes you've never been on before in your motherhood journey, in your living life journey, and he is there to give you rest. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I want to talk today about some questions that I have been getting through different Places through emails that y'all send me. Um, For all you people who DM me on Instagram, I am gathering those questions and I kind of have this spreadsheet of questions that you ask. And then also on my website, there's actually where you can speak into um, like an app kind of thing on the website and actually ask me your question. And personally, I love that one the most because I hear your precious voices and there's something about hearing your voice. That's beautiful. But this week we're going to talk about the question that came through, it actually came through SpeakPipe on the website from um, a listener to the podcast whose name is Sarah. But I think because I've seen this same question coming through on Instagram in different ways or different versions, I think it's more than just her question. So Sarah asks, Bethany, how can I be intentional with my kids? Yet I feel so completely burnt out a lot of the days. And she went on and said, you know, I want to teach and guide and love and pray with them. But I but I really have no energy. And I want to know how to find a middle ground. So we're going to start with that question. I think it ties into the lies that we've been listening to. And then I think because of where we're living and how we're living, most of us, if we were all sitting in this massive table together in this room, and I said, how many of y'all feel so overwhelmed or feel just completely spent like you're done or completely just feel um, like you're falling apart? like you're unraveling at the seams. I think most of us would raise our hand. And then if I then followed that up and said, but how many of you are convinced that you want to be intentional with your motherhood and you want to engage with your kids and have great conversation and lead well and love well and create this environment and you desire that with all of your heart. I think everybody would raise their hand again. So how do we do that? Because I am right there with you. I am, this is not, I have tried over and over on this podcast and in all the different places that you may find me to let you know that I am walking in the exact same kind of shoes. I'm tired. I feel overwhelmed. We have had a lot of overwhelming things in our family. And things that we're walking through. We have had lots of pain and sadness and loss in our community Um, with all that medically is going on. There's uncertainty, there's unrest. Then we look out across the nations, across the world, and yet there's only more. And I have spent many days grieving and wondering what I can do. And what happens though is I find myself because I I so don't know what to do, and I am overwhelmed in all fronts. And yet, I desire to create this home. That, I mean, and y'all have heard me already in the lies. Go back and listen to the lies about performance, lie performance, lie being perfect, the lie balance, like in all those lies. I feel like I've represented the reality of my world, which is I desire to set certain things and make it perfect, make it right, make it this ideal, this way I think. So I want my home to operate with this place of love and safety and nurturing and care and beautiful explanations of Christ. But the reality of my world, the reality of my home, let me tell you, let me share with you. So just this week, just this week, I have been Extremely, I'm tired physically. I've been up late, up early, physically tired. I have been short tempered across the board with my husband, with my kids. I have had to clean up many times where my tongue has been rude or cutting. Um, Just last night, I yelled at a child and I had to go back to him and say, I absolutely mishandled that entire interaction and i was way wrong and i am sorry i believe i have hurt your heart i believe i have not listened to you and all that does is tell you that i don't care by my actions and i do care and i think there are things that we need to navigate together and we need to address places in your heart together but my reaction was absolute sin and did nothing to help lead you or point you to to your savior who does love you unconditionally he doesn't respond in the angry way that i responded and and that's just last night so i mean and i promise you i will do it again today because i am operating on the edge that's how i feel and the lord has been talking to me and teaching me certain principles that i want to share today about how do we get off the edge how do we stop teetering on the edge and instead Walk in the fullness of his love and the truth of the gospel. Even when the world is in shambles, it feels like it's on fire. Your world personally may feel like it's on fire and you are stressed beyond belief and overwhelmed. How do we do it? So I want to talk about that by first bringing you into an experience. So we love to go to Yosemite National Park. Um, It's probably the favorite place for my husband and me to get away to. We've had opportunities to bring just a couple of our kids on special trips in different years. And last year, when there was this slump and where people felt like they could travel for a little bit, we actually got to take, um, we went with his parents and both of his sisters and their husbands to Yosemite. So it was like an adult's trip and it was very unique and fun. And I think the favorite hike that Troy and I have done, and we've done it several times, is the hike up Vernal Falls. And Vernal Falls um, is deemed a strenuous hike, I think. It is strenuous for me, but I also think actually the National Park Service calls it that. But the way this hike begins is it begins down in the valley, and it begins just in the woods on kind of rolling hills and it's beautiful and lush and you're walking, um, just kind of in a, maybe like a foresty feeling. Um, you know, you're, you know, you're going up and you're kind of going up and then you'll go down a little bit, then you'll start walking up again, but it's more rolling of a hike. And so for the first 45 minutes, first hour, it feels good. Like you're like, Oh, I love this. This is great. It's, you know, it's a little bit demanding, but it's not that hard, and it's beautiful, and there's so much to see, and, you know, there's so many people kind of walking on the path, and it it's just exciting. And then you get to this bridge that spans over the base of the falls. So not at the falls, but the water that then runs off of the falls and down the mountain rushes under that bridge. And there have been seasons that we've been there where the, um, the water coming off the mountain is so the, the amount of water is so, so high that you can stand on that bridge and just be sprayed. I mean, the, the rapids are huge and intense and awesome. And it's beautiful. And for a lot of people, that's, that's where they stop. They, that's their hike. Um, it's not, crazy hard. It's beautiful. There's water right there that you can refill a water bottle. You can take amazing pictures and it's a delight. But then right along, right after the bridge, on the other side of the bridge, there's this narrower pathway that is the rest of the hike. And this last time that we went, these, this narrow path was a one-way path. So because of COVID, they didn't want people brushing shoulders as they're going up and down the path and kind of trying to, because there are parts of the path that are very narrow against the mountain where you truly have to kind of, if someone's coming down, you kind of hug the mountainside for a second so that they can step beside you um, as they descend. But what the Park Service had done is they had said, okay, this is just, you go up and then you go around and down a different way and so we began to climb and it's a lot of steps and a lot of stepping up stepping up stepping up and you begin your legs begin to burn your butt begins to burn you begin to pant your you know your breathing quickens your heart begins to pound and you're walking and you're walking in this narrow um path and what you can see as you can see the rushing water coming down off the mountain and it's beautiful. And if it's really high levels of water, you can get soaked, but, um, it kind of feels good, you know, when it's like that. So, but this, this last year, it wasn't super high water and we were walking up the side and, um, you know, you begin to get completely exhausted, but you know, you got to keep going, but you get, Exhausted, and everything's rushing by you, and you have this sense that you know something is coming and it will be great, but you're not sure. And you um, can see this power right here beside you in the water. You maybe feel a little bit nervous and concerned because it is narrow, and you begin to wonder if you're going to make it. And so, you like me. How about me? I huff and I puff and my heart is pounding and my legs are burning and beginning to quiver. And I recognize that I have got to sit. I have got to stop. I've got to just pause and I've got to catch my breath and I've got to breathe. Now I've done this hike before many times. So I know what ultimately will come. And yet every time I do this hike, as I am in those moments where I can barely catch my breath, the thought that goes through my mind is, is it worth it? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is it worth it? And you keep climbing and you keep um, your eyes fixed on the next step and the next narrow, um, really just narrow rock that you're going to step up on. And you're You take moments to look, but really your eyes are down at where you're stepping. But the power of the rest, the power of that pause to catch your breath, to re energize, to reinvigorate, to decide, yes, I'm going to keep going, becomes very important on that hike. So we hiked it last year. We hiked it with some people who had never hiked it. Choice sister and brother in law, they've never hiked it before. And so I found myself in a unique position because every other time I've hiked it with Troy, um, you know, I just, it's kind of a head game that I'm like, keep going. You can do this. You can do this. But what I found was I had some of the answers, right? I knew it was worth it. I knew where we were getting to. And so I was like, you can do this. It will be incredible. It will be so worth it. You will be so thrilled that you did this when we get to the other side. And yet, looking at my sister-in-law's eyes, I could tell that she was like, I mean, I want to believe you, but everything inside of me is saying no way. Now, the beauty of the hike last year was because it was literally one way, you didn't have a choice. You had to keep going up. Um, And so up we went. And then there is finally you break open on this path and all along, you've been following the water and you've been hearing the water. The higher you get, the water obviously is much lower than you. So you have to kind of peer over the side of the mountain if you really are brave enough to look down to see the water that you're following. But then all of a sudden, you rise up to this one level and you stand in this space and you are staring straight at Vernal Falls. And it's like you're standing in the middle of it. I mean, you're not in it because it's straight in front of you, but you're at the height of like middle of the fall of the water falling off the mountain. And there are these rainbows of light just bursting off of this waterfall and it just takes your breath away. And every time I have come to that moment and stood there, I am like, yes, this is gorgeous. It is beautiful, but we're not done at that point. We still have a good bit of the hike, yes, yet to go, but the hike now changes. Now it's going to become much more up against literally the side of the mountain where the water is coming off of, and you're you're hiking right beside the falls, up against this very on this very narrow um, little walkway. But it's beautiful. And you can hear it and you can see it and you're energized. And so you're sure now you can get to the end. You're not sure how far the end is. And if you're like me, I get a little, I'm a little height nervous. And so every time I've hiked this, I get nervous in that part though. Like, Oh, I don't want to do anything dangerous. But then you get up to the top and up at the top, there's this beautiful, um, uh, pool that's blocked off from, the actual falls. So you can be in the pool area and enjoy it without any fear of then accidentally getting too close to the falls or anything. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of um, the country just to take a hike. I mean, just to take a picnic, just to sit. So many people will just sit up there probably for hours. So, and then though, and especially on that hike last year, we had to keep going up in order to ultimately come down. So we had to keep climbing up again. Even more. And now it's not so beautiful. Now it's just hard and rocky terrain and it's poorly mapped out, even where we couldn't even tell which way we were supposed to go. They'd kind of changed the path a little bit because of COVID and how they wanted to route everybody. And the signs weren't great. And so it felt unclear. You felt a little concerned, hope we were going the right way and not going somewhere else. And then ultimately, you are able to step into a forest and slowly make your way back down the mountain in shade and in quiet and in calm. Now, the reason I tell you that story is that there are many days where I go back to that concept in my motherhood. In the last season that I've been walking through, I'm on this part of the hike where I am sucking wind, taking steps, Feel like I'm looking down at my feet more than I'm looking around. And God has been speaking over and over to me, Bethany, you've got to pause. You have got to allow yourself time to breathe, to sit with me, to get in the word and feed on exactly what I have for you before you keep stepping up, up, up. I'm on the part of the path where I can see the rushing water and I feel like my life is on a speed mode and everything is going really, really fast. And I don't dare get too close to the current because I'm scared I'm going to fall in. Um, and so all I know to do is to keep going and you may be in that part of life and you may even feel like I feel some days where I feel like children keep asking me a thousand questions in 30 minutes. I'm struggling to help a child learn to tie their shoes help another child learn algebra, help another child learn to read and help my teenager navigate friendship drama and a college student navigate what she's going to do and what her major should look like. And should she take a year off um, for a gap year and walking with another child and learning how to take responsibility. And then you have the, the sassy talk and let's not talk about activities and who's playing what sports and how well they're doing and what they need. And, and then we factor in um, all the hearts and suddenly this current feels very right, like fast moving and there are white caps everywhere. And I am not sure that I could ever survive a, a fall into that current, let alone, I cannot pause, cannot pause. And if you are like me at all in that, yet your heartbeat is to be intentional. And your desire is to have great meaningful moments or love well or pray purposefully for your child but you feel undone then I'm going to speak pretty straight to you right now I'm going to tell you you need to take some time and pull off to the side of your trail and you need to allow the Holy Spirit who lives within you to begin to tend to all the frayed areas of your heart And it doesn't mean, rest doesn't mean that we do nothing. You see, it doesn't mean that you and I just like all of a sudden stop all the activities and stop all this stuff because we've got to rest. And for so many years, I mean, I kind of thought that's what it was. But, you know, when I was on that trail, I knew what rest meant. Rest meant taking a moment to calm down to refocus, to understand where I was going, to look around at what was happening, to see where I was, to look back at where I had been, and to just breathe. And then to set off again with just a little bit of energy. And then the next time I needed to rest, there was actually more freedom for me to rest because I'd seen what the last moment of rest had given me in the climb and you know as women we want to do it all most of us we may not even realize that we buy into the cultural belief system that says a woman can do it all and so we try and do it all we try and do all of my motherhood. We try and do all of work. We try and do all of marriage. We try and take care of our, our parents. We try and take care of our extended family. We try and take care of neighbors. We try and serve at our church. We try and we're, we believe we should be able to do it all and we can't. So the last bit of today, and then next week, we're going to talk about this a little bit more practically, but today we're going to understand what Jesus invites us into. You see, Jesus says, come unto me, take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. It's his invitation. And then he he clearly sets up in scripture, he goes, I am the bread of life. I am what you need. You see, he says, when you come to me, when you rest with me, my yoke is easy. Doesn't mean we stop working. Doesn't mean we stop doing. But it means it has become reframed in a context that is a gospel mindset rather than a I can do it mindset. And then we get really purposeful about pursuing the only person who can fill us and see jesus says in john what i love about this passage i'm about to share with you is that it comes where it comes from so in john 6 jesus feeds the 5000 we all have kind of heard that story right he He's sitting with everybody on the mountainside. He turns to his disciples and he's like, hey, we got some food. Now, it it even says that John even goes, you know, he said this. He asked that question to test um, the disciples, to test. He actually asks Philip, but he's doing it, John says, to test him to see what he thinks. And because he already had a plan, he already knew what he was going to do. Remember, we forget sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I can read the scripture and forget Jesus was sovereign, so he knew there was a boy in the crowd with loaves and fish, and he knew that Andrew would find that boy because he knew, you know, Andrew's personality and what we see displayed about Andrew in scripture, and so he would find that boy and bring him and go, well, I mean, we got these five loaves and these two fish, and, and so none of this was a surprise. It wasn't like Jesus was reacting and being like, oh, okay, okay, well, maybe we can make something work with that. Like, he already had a plan. And he knew he was going to break all that up. And he was going to feed everybody. Invite everybody to sit down. And he was going to feed everybody. And then he was even going to instruct his disciples to gather up what was left. And you know what was left? It was 12 baskets of bread. And John's very specific. It was the bread that was left. And I think it was specific that in that, because then what happens next is they kind of break up. The big party breaks up and the disciples go across the sea in a boat. Jesus stays behind because he is going, he has this pattern of staying behind and having time with his heavenly father. Remember that. So he's done something. He stays behind. Then we have the story of him walking on the water to meet the disciples in the boat. Then they get to the other side and on the other side, the crowd has been looking for them because, like, the story spread. All these people have been like, I mean, like, you were not there. And we had all this bread and fish, and it just kept going on and on and on. It was awesome. And so they realize, oh, Jesus is on the other side. So they take their boats over and they, they get over to the other side, and they're like, hey, let's do it again. And Jesus says to them in this passage, He says, You know, you are seeking me. Because you had your fill of of bread. But I'm going to tell you that I have come to to give you a bread that is far different than earthly bread. And then he begins to draw this picture, this parallel to the manna in the Old Testament. And they would have known what he was talking about, but manna fell on the Hebrews when they were fleeing Egypt before they got to the promised land. That is the way God fed them every day. The unique part about manna was that you could only get the manna for the day. People at the beginning were trying to get manna and hoard it for the next day and the next day because they weren't sure what if we don't get manna the next day? What if today's different? And what would happen is if they got more, gathered more than was what their family would consume that day, all the leftover manna would uh, rot and have, I think it would actually have maggots in it. And so the lesson God was saying is I will provide for you daily. I will give you manna. I will give you what you need for today. And Jesus is setting up this parallel here where he's saying, you do not need the things of this world to satisfy you, to fill you, to strengthen you, to make you whole, to make you complete. You need manna, and I am the manna. That's what he says. He said, "Truly, truly, in verse thirty-two, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, for my Father gives you the true bread for heaven, for the bread of God, who comes down from he- is is who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world." And then, so they said, "Well, I mean, give us this bread." That's what the crowd says, right? They're still thinking it's bread. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he goes on and he says, whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then he goes on in verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And then he drops down and he says, I say to you, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is a bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die, pointing to himself. And he says, I am the living bread that came down. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And, you know, Mama, Jesus wants you to understand that you desperately need him every day. For your day. And he is inviting you every day to pull off, to to reframe your mindset, to get your eyes not fixed on the steps that you're stepping up, not worried about whether you're teetering on the edge, not concerned about what's rushing beside you. And he invites you instead to get your gaze fixed on him and to allow his word, his truth to fill you completely that sounds super great. We would probably all nod our head and go, yeah. But what I want to be honest and what I've given kind of my, my whole word in this podcast is, is we're going to take it from that, which you've heard in every sermon you've probably heard. And how does that run through my day? Because that sounds great, but I promise you by 10 o'clock, I will have, even if I, even if I got up early this morning and I had that cup and I matched everything I saw on Instagram about how you're supposed to sit with God in the word by 10 o'clock, Bethany, I don't think I'm going to remember it. And I will have gone off the rails three times and, um, or I will have just said, I can do it all by golly and I'm just trying to blaze through my day and I'm trying to just, you know, pinch my lips together and be nice, be nice, be nice to everybody around me all the while, cannot wait for nap time, cannot wait for bedtime <laughs> and I get it. So there's the theoretical side and then there's the practical side and how can we marry those That I think is what Sarah was asking because she wants it and yet she's completely overwhelmed and undone. So how do we marry it all together? And I think it comes down to putting the truth ever before you. It does for me. And what I mean by that is I have to have my head constantly seeing, hearing, being reminded of the truth that Jesus says, because I can be one minute remembering the truth and the next minute snapping at my five-year-old because I'm tired of his incessant questioning There's a little, um, piece of paper I put together and I really put it together for myself and I just called it the five truths when life feels crazy. And the reason I have those five truths is because I need this truth ever before me. I have these truths on the mirror in my bathroom. I have these truths on different screens of my phone. I keep these truths in my kitchen Um, And then my action with those truths is to engage with them when I feel the feelings of overwhelm. I have them in my car too, by the way, on the dashboard of my car. So when I feel the feelings of overwhelm or anger or resentment or frustration or apathy, honestly, apathy can be a big one where you just withdraw, say, forget it, I'm done. Instead, I actively engage with these truths in God's word. So number one, God chose you. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am choosing you to give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. So that is the first truth that I have to remember. He chose me for this moment in this time. And we talk about this a lot in here. He chose you for the child he gave you. He chose you, you know, and that's why I say to myself, I literally say it, Bethany, God chose you for this eight-year-old who is so incredibly emotional. You know, he chose you for this um, other child who, really is stubborn and um, hard hearted. He chose you in this moment to deal with this fussing and this fighting. He chose you because he's inviting you to rest with him and let him do it through you. So that's number one. Number two, God engages and he listens. He actually cares about what you're caring about. And I have to keep this truth ever before me. He has, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. and my pleas for mercy? He inclined his ear to me and I can call on him as long as I live. And that is Psalm 116, one and two. And I have that verse up all over the place because I have to engage with that verse and say, I love you, God. My world is a wreck, but I know you hear me and I know your posture is one of inclining to me. You're leaning down. You are engaged, and I trust you, and I need you. And then number three, God will lead and equip me. It says, Isaiah forty two sixteen says, I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Y'all, when you are climbing your Vernal Falls hike, God says, I will level ground. These are the things I do. I will not forsake them. And you need to engage with these truths in God's word and say, okay, God, then in this moment, when my brain feels swirly and my heart feels all this, I have got to figure out, help me, Holy Spirit, align this crazy brain and this super feeling heart with the truth of your word and stand in this second and rest and breathe and catch my breath. And that's why we have to have word all around us, y'all. We can't, we can't just do these devotionals in the morning and hope it holds. It, it doesn't hold. It doesn't for me. So if it does for you, I need your tricks, but it doesn't for me. It's good. It's good discipline and it's good time with God. But I had my quiet time with the Lord this morning and I can't really remember it all until I go back, open my journal, open my Bible and go, yeah, this is where we are. This is what we're studying. And then I can go on again. But we've, we've got to have the word ever before us. And so there are the, the fighting verses for your mind. And that's what I'm talking about today. This isn't just, this doesn't, this is additive <laughs> to your time in the word. And so then the next thing I have to personally remember is it says he will tend his flock like a shepherd, gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and he will gently lead the, lead those that are with young. His heartbeat, mom, is for you with your kids. So to understand that the posture of God is he leans down, he's engaged, he's listening and he is gently leading you. He has compassion on you. I had this moment with my, one of my children and she had come down and she was wanting to get out of her sleeper and go potty after a long night's sleep. And yet she wanted to do it all by herself. And I asked if I could help. And she emphatically said no. Um, and she was trying to get all four of her limbs back into her sleeper after she had gone potty. And yet the sleeper was inside out pulled all different ways she could not unwind it she could not reconfigure it she couldn't get everything turned right side out she got like one arm in one leg in they were opposite arms opposite legs she's basically like trapped up in this weird thing that's becoming like a roll around her she's sweating and becoming more and more desperate and agitated feverishly honestly sobbing at this point on the bathroom floor. And, and I kept offering help and she didn't want it. She wanted to do this. And so I walked into the bathroom and I sat down on the floor with her and she's crying and frustrated and her chest is heaving y'all. You've seen it in your kids before. And I asked her just to look me in the eyes And I looked at her little eyes and compassion just welled up over me. And I almost started to cry with her. And my heart was for her. I saw she fiercely wanted to be independent. And yet she couldn't. She couldn't. And she was confused. I mean, she couldn't even figure it out anymore. And I think so many of us are like, My little child. And we need to remember that God is so compassionate. And he sent Christ to sit on the floor and to have you look him in the eye. And for him to say, I want to help you. I want to walk with you. I want to help untangle it and unwind it and figure it out. I want to give you strength. I want to give you energy. I'm not asking you to do this by yourself. Because Christ is saying, I want you to be successful in motherhood. I came for you to be successful in motherhood. And so, you know, with my little girl, you know what I did? I came along beside her and began to slowly unwind the sleeper and turn the legs inside out, help her balance so she could get her little legs inside the sleeper and not fall down, made sure she didn't zip her belly into the sleeper, right? That's always a threat. And we laughed. And we loved. But part of it was her having to look me in the eye and recognize I was there for her. We need to remember God is compassionate for us. It says in Psalm 103, As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God is not fooled by you, and he is not looking for you to fool him. He has great compassion for you. and Oh, he wants to help you. And he never loses that perspective. He doesn't have to be reminded of the mess that we are. So in the middle of it all, when you're feeling undone and you desperately want to be intentional, the first place you have to go is to the one who has great compassion for you. And then finally, the last truth that I have to just use as a bedrock is that God alone will be my peace. You see, I worship at an idol of outcome. So if the outcome is good, I can have peace. If the outcome is good, I can feel good. If the outcome is good, things are good. Life is good. Motherhood's good. My kids are good. My marriage is good. Everything's good if the outcome is good. And when the outcome is not good, which for the most part in the last few years, I haven't had very many good outcomes. I don't know. What about you? I mean, some are good. Little ones are good. And then there feels like there's a big one not good. So then it feels like everything's a little off, off base because I'm worshiping an idol. But I'm not worshiping God on high. And so in the moments of overwhelm, I, li- I truly have to go back to this verse and say, God alone my soul waits for you. That's what Psalm 62 says. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. He alone is who my soul must wait for and your soul must wait for. So when you sit on the side of the path on the hike and you're not convinced it's worth it even yet, maybe you haven't even seen the falls, maybe nothing seems to be turning out right, I'm going to tell you, are you worshiping the idol of outcome? Are you worshiping God no matter what? Even if it feels like everything's cruddy. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you. Not because you do it, not because you create peace, not because you give grace, but because grace and peace are given to you by God on a multiplicative level, not an additive level. You know, and when we multiply, things get really big, really fast in the number world. Um, God knows you. He pursues you. He is calling you, my friend. I know these are the days where everything feels overwhelming and everything feels hard. And intention is really hard to do. But the very first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to plant yourselves in the word of God. Next week, we're going to talk about the other parts of intention, of how then do we become intentional with our kids. We're going to talk about how do we become a student of our child? How do we um, have and parent them with a long-term perspective so that we understand what we're dealing with? because that's the other side of this. But first you have to have your mind set on the right thing. You have to pull off the trail and you have to breathe. You have to let him energize you. And his word promises to energize you. Jesus promises to feed you. He is your manna. If you want that little, those five scriptures, I will put them in the show notes. It's not a big deal, and I can do that. And you, they will just line up in the show notes, and you can have those five scriptures to go and look at yourself along with the truth that goes with them. And um, I look forward to seeing you back here next week. My heart is for you. My heart is that we could sit together at this table and do life and create community in such a way That when you are feeling overwhelmed, you have people that you can run to who will help you remember these truths when it's oftentimes we forget them in the moments. But for now, please know you can reach me, email, get on my newsletter. You get it every week. I'm very easily accessible by email. I'm very easily accessible on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram and go follow me there and DM me. People do all the time and it's great. I love it. And um, may you walk today in your motherhood knowing that you do not walk alone. You don't. Jesus walks with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.